welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. We'll find out how circular principles can create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. I'm recording this on Thursday the 23rd of April 2020 and I guess most of us around the world are still in lockdown. The world is changing fast and lots of people want to see a fairer, greener and more meaningful society after we emerge from the pandemic. The lockdown is disrupting businesses, charities, public services and the whole of our society, challenging what we've taken for granted. Many organisations are having to be inventive to find new ways of connecting with customers or new services to offer. They're finding ways to operate online, offer expertise and knowledge instead of physical services and pivot in new directions. Sports, entertainment and the events sector are badly affected with ongoing cancellations around the world. My guest today, Katie Briggs, set up a business to close the loop on textiles from the events sector. She has found customers who value that pre-used fabric and she helps both the buyer and the seller reduce their costs and impact. We recorded this towards the end of March 2020, about one week into the UK lockdown, and I'm hoping that Katie has found ways to pivot her business, maybe getting involved in making face masks or surgical scrubs. In today's episode, I'm talking to Katie Briggs, founder of The Textile Review. While working in the events industry, Katie noticed the vast waste of materials and felt compelled to create solutions to slow down the environmental impact of all that. In live events, fabrics used as draping and other decor, often just for a few days before being thrown away, treated almost as single-use materials. Katie saw the opportunity for reuse and decided to take a direct and hands-on approach. The textile review reclaims fabric from events and then makes it available again to hire or buy, helping people reuse instead of buying new. Katie helps people to focus on responsibility, aiming to shift perspectives on the value of what already exists. Katie, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. And where are you calling Hello. in from today? I'm calling from um, Brighton and Hove. Lovely sunny day here. <laughs> yes, and it is up here as well in, in uh, North Yorkshire since the equinox um, on Sunday. Uh, it's been sunny every day, so that's been a, a nice change. I'm curious to know how the um, textile review works in practice. How are you connecting with people who either have or need fabric? So... As you um, kindly introduced, um, I work with events professionals who are putting on massive shows who 
um, that use fabric as draping. And we're talking like huge, huge pieces of fabric that are draped with venues like London Olympia and in exhibition halls like that. Um, and it was actually, as you say, while I was working in the events industry that I came across this massive waste and this issue. And so I got to actually speak to the people putting on the events and research from there. And so I continued those building those relationships to see what the need was and how I could fit in to solve the problem really. Um, so in practice, I speak to my clients, the events organizers of the trade shows or exhibitions. Um, they hire me to go to collect um, the fabric to help them become more sustainable um, and uh, towards being zero waste to landfill. Um, yeah, textiles were a, an area that weren't really be, wasn't really being focused on and it's a really tricky one for events. Um, so yeah, so I sort of stepped in and provided a service for them. And then the other way that I work is, yeah, as you say, providing um, second use fabrics to basically anyone that would use them. Um, so that's selling them by the meter, you know, as I say, huge pieces of fabric, popping them back on the roll and then selling them by the meter. Um, and then also some other projects and product ideas that I'm developing at the moment where um, it's really wherever new isn't necessary. And that's really my, um, when new isn't necessary. And then also designing from waste is sometimes something I'm really, really interested in. Yeah, that's a good strap line where new isn't necessary. It gets people to start questioning, doesn't it? Well, why do I just assume I need to buy new? Um, and I guess that's yeah, the sort of uh, the default for many of us that we've been persuaded over so many years that new is better. And so we just go along with it without even considering what the alternatives might be. So are you are you exactly. working mainly in the southeast of the UK or are you working nationwide or further afield? Um, mainly, I mean, it's mainly London shows that I reclaim from, um, from so the Epic Sales Centre or, um, or London Olympia. I've also worked a, a show a couple of months ago at Birmingham NEC. So it, it is nationwide, but they tend to be in London. That's where the events are. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the people buying fabric have been, yeah, kind of nationwide. I post out to them, so... Yeah, it's kind of all over, but it's 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 mainly it's mainly in London. Mm. And in terms of the people buying the fabric, are they mm. individuals or organisations? What what kind of, or is it other events organisers who are switching on to reuse? Um. The, yeah. So there's been uh, just a couple really of smaller sort of boutique events that um would can use second use stuff um uh, but mainly it's been individuals buying by the meter some of the interesting fabrics that i've had um also to students working with uh, in textile design or fashion design uh because a lot of the fabric that i have is really good for, like calico and muslin it's really good for when they're sort of twirling so developing mm. designs on mannequins and such um so yeah, a lot of the muslin and calico I've sold has gone to them, and mm. also some independent fashion schools around Brighton. Sounds good. And mm. is is the network growing on its own? Is it growing through uh, word of mouth, or are you having to find some way of reaching these people through marketing and social media? 
Um, I found that Instagram has been fantastic for um, uh, reaching, well, reaching the customers for sure, um, growing, growing the following nice and organically um, and in a really lovely kind of cosy way, really. I get to chat to people making wonderful things with fabrics, um, you know, people experimenting with plant dyes and things like that. I get to see what they make and I can kind of yeah, recommend uh, fabrics that I have um, around that. And then, you know, if they're local, they'll pop into the studio. And it's a really nice close network that I'm building, even though it's social, I'm really, really enjoying that actually. Um, and then on the, with the events organizers, there's really not that many that actually produce all of the, <laughs> all of the events. So it, it's been kind of, I have one or two representatives from each organization that I've built a good relationship with. And it's often individuals in those organizations that have really sparked a care for sustainability and they really want to push their company forward in that way. Um, so again, it's been really lovely to yeah develop close relationships with those people. Um, it, it's amazing to see how much people want to see change in that industry too. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I noticed on your website that you talk about transparency and metrics. And so what kind of numbers are you providing for people and how, how are they using that to help tell their customers what they're, what they're doing? Yeah, so uh, that's developing all the time, really. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, I'm learning from what people require um, from me in that respect. But so far it has been... Uh, how much I'm reclaiming from their events and I keep a kind of tally on um, what each organization um, how much they've saved from landfill mm -hmm. um, with me and kind of keeping yeah records of of those and that just I think it makes it easy for them to then feed back to their team the impact that they're making um, to to really vouch for using this kind of service and yeah the value of that so um it's I think it's just methods for yeah communicating in these in these bigger companies and yeah the value of yeah uh yeah use, using something re yeah repurposing and sort of circular yeah i think people are often shocked when they realize just how many resources go into making something that appears to be quite simple you know fabric if we think about cotton and the water footprint is massive and then all the impact of the of the dyes and coatings and so on. I was doing a case study for um, on Patagonia and what they were doing in the circular economy, and Patagonia oh, sort Patagonia. of had a <laughs> yeah me too yeah. Um, <laughs> they had a sort of uh, massive light bulb moment um, quite a few years ago after opening a new store, and then the employees were all suffering from headaches, so they got some specialists in to check everything out and realised they'd just put lots of new cotton, organic cotton stock in the in the store. Uh, well, I mean, it might not have been organic at the time, but anyway, they, they started looking into this and realised that even if they were buying organic fibres, the fibres aren't the whole story mm. of the garment. And once all the kind of anti-shrink and anti-crease coatings and various other finishing textile finishing um, chemicals and dyes and so on had been applied then only 75 percent of the finished fabric 
was organic cotton and the other 25% was all the chemicals that people were applying in the process. And so that oh, that goodness, that yeah. was a real, you know, because you kind of, if you're trying to do the right thing when you're buying clothes, you kind of think, oh, organic, organic cotton, a tick. Um, but there's still a massive impact later on in the, in the process. And I think people are, yeah. are quite shocked when they see the size of some of the numbers, which I know you've got, got some of those numbers on your website. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's oh, it's so misleading, some of this, you know, the... What a big problem to tackle is just the absolute mass production. It's just so much that goes, it's so many resources going into the production. We just need to slow it down so we can gain some control because it's, yeah, it's just kind of overwhelming what goes into making fabric and yeah, creating the production of it in the first place. Um, it's very hard to get a handle on. It's very hard to get your head around, actually, the numbers, because it seems almost impossible. <laughs> Unfathomable mm. chemical waste and pollution and the labour and, yeah, just everything. It just really needs to slow down. And that's why I think it's really important that we look at what exists already. And that's that's just my, my biggest thing is, um, yeah, looking at what the value of what ex- already exists and how that can slow down production Mm. making making use of that yeah i I can't remember which charity it was in the last month or so might have been oxfam um had a campaign to persuade people to try and only only wear six different items of clothing over the course of a month that excluded your underwear but this 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 was in the in february i think and i kind of you know mentally counted through what i was wearing and excluding my underwear, it was more than six items of clothing to begin with. And I was kind of thinking, oh, that's just that's just not going to work. You know, it's all right if you're in an air conditioned office every day. But if you're in, in the frozen, frozen uplands of yeah, Yorkshire, yeah. then that's not practical. But it just makes you think that, um, <laughs> you know, that um, that's that's not doable for people is it it's you know it's it's a number that might not be doable but it makes it also makes you realize just how much of a challenge it is how we take for granted that um you know having having a choice a a wide choice of clothes in your wardrobe is something that we've um we don't really appreciate and we don't we don't really think about how it could be different um yeah um, absolutely it was I mean it was for me you know a good couple of years before I started the textile review that it was it was sustainable fashion that really um I was becoming aware of um the awful supply chain in fashion and the damage of fast fashion and this kind of thing um and yeah you're absolutely spot on it's just it's putting those numbers those limits on what you use is just bringing awareness to it it's like a guideline Mm. that and it's like a kind of overshot kind of thing isn't it um if you start looking if you start sort of counting at least it gets you start starting to count the number of clothes uh, items of clothes that you're wearing or whatever so i think it's anything that can bring awareness to that kind of thing recently i was um I was taking part in like an online campaign to um, to try and minimise my plastic uh, waste mm. things like that, and really minimising that. And it's just it's it's about trying as hard as you can and and recording how much uh, how much you use. Um, it just shifts your mindset, doesn't it? It just 
yeah it get, gets you thinking and then it can inspire other people to start mm. recording their own and it's yeah that spread that kind of shift in attitude yeah is what we really need I think I think you're right and recording you know you can't you can't manage it if you don't measure it but recording for businesses is something that um, is really valuable mm. in terms of starting to realize just where you are wasting materials along the process as well as at, at the end of the process um, and recording yeah. what's what's coming in and where from and um, you know I, I think the coronavirus will have thrown into sharp relief a lot of the issues with global disconnected supply chains where you're not quite sure if your manufacturing's being subcontracted out further than you've um, kind of you know organized it to be so yeah in terms that's of, a really it, good point in terms of coronavirus <laughs> and um it's likely to, to still be a hot topic when this episode goes out do you feel it's likely to trigger a change in people's thinking about sustainability um i think i think it will yeah i mean it's really it's we're in sort of the beginning stages of this at the moment and um it's hard to tell where it's going to go it's really hard to tell where the events industry is going to go with sustainability it's such a priority for a lot of people working in events at the moment that i really hope that that conversation stays vivid for them and um it, i do see it as an opportunity to really stop and think and maybe change the methods and change some of the um yeah to change the attitude towards the value of resources and the the, the supply chain as well um, and also just the research as you're saying into um into recording there's there's a problem that i've encountered while i was setting up is just actually there's a real limit in um there's a real limited research in event waste mm. um and the supply chain and things so that's that it's been hard for me to kind of prove you know to kind of communicate things with clients when the research hasn't really been that thorough into what's been wasted in the first place. Um, and I know there are organisations, I know one organisation actually here in Brighton um, and operating in London as well, um, that's beginning to really focus on the tracking um, the, the, the material that's being wasted in events and stuff. And I just really hope that this is an opportunity to focus in on that research so that we can make really informed decisions on um, how the events industry moves forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there'll be a lot of businesses having to really rethink their operating costs and so on going forward. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the mm -hmm. lack of revenue will have hurt a lot of businesses and just starting mm -hmm. to think think about what could we do differently will open mm -hmm. up people's thought processes in terms of reuse, remanufacturing. Um, how do we cut yeah. down our waste? You know, the, if we're buying something and it's only going to be used for a few days, that's ridiculous. What can we do instead? So hopefully, a you know, a, a different view of the world and you know a different using using a different lens to look at business strategy and so on uh, could be really yeah. transformational yes i think it's really about taking responsibility it's um because i mean the world's changing it's changing so much and responsibility is being um uh uh being taken a little bit more at a time in terms of sustainability but um yeah i just really hope that people actually the just the beginnings of community coming together during this crisis mm. 
hope that inspires something that feeds into a kind of the more kind of business economies and mm. things and, and supply chains and really because I mean what's going on in the community around me right now is just beautiful the way that we're actually creating a sharing economy throughout our neighbours I'm getting mm -hmm. to know my neighbours through helping with community projects and mutual aid um, and, and and that's like the beginning that's just it's showing how easy it is you know on a, on a sort of civilian level to just mm. jump really jump start um, a sharing economy here and you know my optimistic self, although this is such a vulnerable and uncertain time, I really, really hope that um, this could be the beginning of making circular economy way more um, active yeah. um, and activated and um, embraced, because it could really benefit everybody. Um, yeah, I think it's a time to really educate ourselves on this and just see what opportunities there are for making a making a better future yeah and I really hope to be part of that and I think like just keeping in communication with the clients that I have that obviously had to cancel all their activities for the next few months mm. and um and yeah just see how the need changes and see how where I fit into it changes and just stay really present with that and just try and serve it the best I can, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I think hope that the, the world, goes world follows with that. <laughs> I think the world will look different, and hopefully, lots of people will be reassessing what's what's really important, and that feeling of community responsibility and so on. Hopefully, that sticks in people's minds for a long time, and we start to realise that you know there's more to be gained by connecting with each other and and uh, the sharing economy and so on um and um mm. you know that really we were just being um sold a story with the with the kind of um you know the the fast consumer economy so katie what's mm. your um now you're a few years into your business startup what's your top tip for aspiring circular businesses or social enterprises oh a top tip um so yeah a couple of years in i feel like i've I feel like what really benefited me was um, forming these close relationships with the people that I'm serving um, the really direct uh, market research um, just having the conversation, being bold in the questions that you're asking and um, where you see a problem, uh, really focusing on, it's, it's, you know, like really effective ways of solving that problem. And that, that comes with really open, frank conversation um because that otherwise otherwise it becomes quite speculative in um in what you're actually solving i think if you're going to bounce into solving a big problem just make sure that you're focused in on what the real need is um mm. and just yeah just opening up those conversations and um yeah and i think something that i've learned really is how human all of this is this is my first I've not started a business before I hadn't really been involved with anything because I have never studied business or anything and I was quite intimidated by that I think what has surprised me is actually how human all of this I'm just I'm just one woman communicating with other humans and trying to do good and really people want to have these conversations with you and people are excited about this and it actually becomes 
so much more exciting and fun and um, when you treat it, when you treat it as a like human to human thing because that's you know that's who's making the decisions and that's what really makes it come alive um, and just not and that's kind of yeah having that kind of attitude got me through a lot of sort of imposter syndrome and that kind of thing I think that with um very purpose-driven um, people that want to solve a problem in the world they see a problem they want to solve it um, like I did I saw it and I thought okay so how do I how do I solve this somehow um, by some kind of intervention and obviously um, one idea is to start sort of charity um, or that and it's often thought that it's all business um, but I think what I landed on and what I think is a really fantastically productive thing for the future is social enterprise um, because it doesn't rely on kind of it doesn't solely rely on um, outside funding you 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 make you're making a kind of ecosystem of doing good it's good business you know and I think that um doing good shouldn't just belong in the charity sort of sector it should be sort of infiltrating normal business and um yeah and it also puts a limit I guess and it keeps values strong uh of where you're wasting the profits that you're making um and I think that's just a responsibility that um has to be uh installed into the future of business basically and I just really encourage um more social enterprises are really necessary for the future of business I think mm. certainly at the moment there's there are some interesting conversations on on the radio and in the media because the airline industry was the first to ask for a for a bailout in the UK and lots of questions being asked about the dividends that have been paid recently and the profitability of the company and you know shouldn't the shareholders be putting their hands in the pockets first instead of going straight mm. to, to the because it's not just a, a pot of money that the government has is it it's a pot of money that we as taxpayers are all going to have to pay back so yeah some interesting yeah. interesting conversations about business ownership and um you know where the money goes and who has to bail it out when the times are tough gosh exactly and i think it's just been such a rushed thing hasn't it we're all like we're just jumping into this we're really shell-shocked by it and um, the decisions that are being made kind of on the fly, it seems, mm. is just the implications of those decisions. Um, it's just going to be, there's just so much to think about. And I just yeah. really looking forward to, <laughs> equally looking forward to and also dreading the implications that this is all going to make. Mm, exactly. So, Katie, would, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme to inspire people to talk about the circular economy? Oh, someone that, um, so I don't know if you've written about the community wood recycling and that operates the wood store here in Brighton. Um, and they are, they sort of franchise out around, around, around the country as well. They're a social enterprise too. And basically they do a fairly similar thing to what I do with textiles, but with wood. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. And they're actually um, part of what inspired me to model things the way that I have um, that sounds and good. their I... whole yeah their values on um, who they employ to do the work and the um, teaching skills woodworking skills and things like that just amazing I just really love how I've seen that grow 
and so I should get in touch with them because yeah. that would be a very good podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> and you saying that they've spread out around the country because when you said community wood recycling, I was thinking I'm sure there's one of those in in Durham and maybe one in yeah. in Leeds. <laughs> so um, yeah, it'd be good to find out where it all started. So thank you. And Katie, yeah. how can people find out more about you and the uh, textile review or get in touch? <laughs> Um, so, yeah, my website is thetextilereview.com. Uh, uh, you can message me on Instagram. It's textile.review there. Um, yeah, get in touch in any way that you find it on the website contact page. Um, I always love to chat to anyone working with textiles that is interested in designing from waste and anyone that is interested in this field, basically collaborating. I just about new projects coming up. <laughs> fantastic and i guess lots of people will have heard what what you've talked about and thought wow i use textiles in this context or that context i'll get in touch so it might open up some new market sectors for um sale or hiring of of uh, textiles so katie thank you very much for taking us through the story of the textile review and i hope the events industry gets back to normal pretty quickly and that lots of people are focused on doing things in a more responsible and circular way thank you thank you so much Catherine lovely to speak to you <laughs> I was impressed by how Katie has worked out ways to solve different problems for several niche markets firstly the events industry that she'd worked in and where she'd spotted two problems firstly all that barely used fabric being discarded after just a few days' use. The events companies would be paying a landfill tax to dispose of this. And secondly, a growing drive amongst those events companies to improve their sustainability, wanting to demonstrate corporate social responsibility progress to their customers. Then Katie looked for types of organisations that are likely to need those kinds of fabrics. As Katie mentioned, calico and muslin are used by fashion designers and fashion students, all of whom are keen to reduce costs and behave more sustainably. Katie provides her customers with added value, with information on environmental impact and transparency, tracking where products come from and where they go to. She makes it easy for her customers to tell the story about their sustainability and circular improvements. By the time this episode airs, the events and most other industry sectors will have been badly affected by the coronavirus lockdown. I hope you'll join me in sending my best wishes to Katie and the Textile Review and hoping they quickly bounce back once we emerge from this crisis. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info, or send us a tweet, at rethink underscore global. Please let us know what you think of the podcast, and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.